0: Welcome back to the sales Beast. On this episode, I have Kyle Smith, Director of Sales and Customer Success, partner at The Bridge Group, was introduced to Kyle by Trish. She wrote a book called The Sales Development Playbook. You might've heard of it. If not, you can check it out. She's also a top sales voice on LinkedIn, but Kyle comes on the show and he talks about uh, fingerprints on the trophy about how he wants everybody on the sales playbook to get involved and put their touch inside the playbook. And that really resonated with me because my papaw in Kentucky, um, may you rest in power, owned a trophy business. And um, growing up, I used to help my papaw build trophies. And so uh, after we got done with this episode, I was like, man, this episode is really special. So I uh, definitely uh, shout out to my papa and Kyle Smith. Fingerprints on the trophy. Stay tuned. You're dialing in to the All Things Telesales Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lynn. If the phone is your weapon, this is your podcast. We're changing the perception of telesales. We're a tribe of telesales professionals who believe in compassion before commission. We're empowering the call coaching experience by starting with the person and salesperson. When we take care of the person, the calls take care of themselves.
1: Your call is very important to us. Please
0: hold. Them. What's going on, Kyle? How we doing today, man?
1: Doing well. Can't complain, man.
0: That's <laughs> all right. Yeah, man, just hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit, you know. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> Not some a of them say,
1: "Use," but all right, let's <laughs> do it.
0: Some of them saying it's from the south, baby. It's alrighty. Kind of one of them days, you know. All right, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah man so Trish she linked us up from the bridge group thought you'd be a great fit for the show and uh definitely man uh so so um tell me so tell me a little bit about yourself
1: Yeah sure um I mean from a sales perspective uh been in the game for about eight plus years now started as an SDR like that traditional route and came up through the ranks, um, started consulting with Trish and the bridge group about six years ago and worked with a bunch of B2B tech companies ever since just helping to form sales strategies and get successful implementations of inside sales off the ground. Um, but
0: yeah. 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 So you said inside sales. So, um, I had one tech company. They they just weren't really sure what inside sales what that actually meant. And uh, so, what does that mean to you, inside sales?
1: Yeah, to me, it's just a clear delineation between people who live in the region or geo that they support and actually meet face to face with customers, versus people who do so over the phone or a Zoom meeting, like we're doing right now. So, just somebody who um, meets with customers virtually versus goes and bangs on doors and meets with them face to face.
0: Got it. So like telesales then sounds like.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. So your terminology <laughs> and the purposes of this podcast, I will go with telesales. Yeah. A
0: hundred percent. Yeah, man, cool. So so inside sales, um well also like ter- so so one one concept one uh, perception of that is it's um according to the territory. So if they have like regions and territory, it's inside their territory. But I like like how you break it down, it's just simply put a customer facing row.
1: Yeah, a customer facing role. Like typically we use it as an umbrella term, meaning an an inside sales would encompass what is now called sales development or SDRs, BDRs, LDRs, whatever you want to call them, people who front end the sales process, account execs who take things through to closed one, and then either um, customer success managers, account managers, um, to some extent, even implementations. But all of those roles would be part of and the umbrella term inside sales in, in our vernacular.
0: Got it. Cool, man. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. So, man, uh, Kyle, what, what are you most excited about right now?
1: what am I most excited about right now? Well, I mean, to be honest, not, not from a professional standpoint, I'm ready to see what happens with Tom Brady and free agency, but (laughs) right. um,
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah. Personal or professional, baby.
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but outside of that, um, I think one of the things I'm most excited about, to be honest, is companies that we're working with taking a really hard look at the ROI behind their sales development organization and making really good decisions as a result of that. Um, yeah, so I think we've rode a wave of grow by any means necessary and a lot of um, butts and seats mentality and just sinking money into um, fueling growth. But now companies are starting to become a little bit more uh, focused on the efficiency of that spend. And what we're seeing is process improvements. Um, better candidate hiring profiles, better training, better enablement, better um, yeah. sales tech adoption, right? So it's just like more effort is being placed on making sales development do what it was meant to do instead of just saying, all these other companies have SDRs, let's just hire a bunch of recent college grads, call them SDRs and just hand them a phone and expect that that's going to work.
0: Yeah. So so I like that you guys work with the SDR, the AE and the CSM. Yeah. I, I know why that's important, but to you, why, why is that important? Mm-hmm.
1: Because I think your full sales process or the customer lifecycle or or however you want to view it is riddled with dependencies. So for us, oftentimes when we start engaging with a company, they say, I want you to just look at my sales development org. We say, okay, um, we can provide some recommendations there, but you have to exist that that organization does not live inside of a vacuum. Changes that you make to sales development impact everything. The expectations that you set in the initial call and how they transition things over to an account executive, like we need to have all of those things in mind. What do they pass? Introductory meetings, fully qualified opportunities. What do you have for AEs? Can they take intro meetings to close? And are we setting the expectation that you get a CSM? Are we telling that story? So yeah. I think... If you don't dial in that whole process and you haven't thought that through, and it doesn't all work together from beginning to end, then what happens is there's only one person who's really dramatically affected in a negative way, and that's your customers. And to me, yeah. that's just unacceptable, especially in an increasingly crowded marketplace.
0: Yeah, man, that's good. And, and I also would add, you know, the handoff from each department. So SDR handing off properly, like you said, setting the, the proper expectations to the AE, but then when the AE makes sure that it's qualified, so it makes the CSM's job a lot easier, you know, that they're not just exactly. sending anything through. But then there's also like for me, when I was in an AE row was like, I, I wanted to see that deal last for at least a year. Right. If I'm getting paid commission <laughs> yeah. for a year. I don't need any <laughs> <why that. laughs> right Yeah. It's like, um, I need I need uh, I need that compounded interest, right? I need that compounded yeah. factor to, to like I need stuff to stay on the books. And then from a revenue perspective, you know, CSMs for the the longevity of the account. And so there's a lot of talk back and forth about you know commission structures for for the AE and the in uh, the CSM because they're the ones behind the long-lasting revenue, you know, new revenue and then revenue that just stacks, you know. So it's really important to be able to have that collaborative relationship with all three departments but to me especially you know when you're sending over the fence right that you still see eye to eye as you're like hello neighbor you know over the fence
1: yeah and dialing like dialing in what is that handout process to your point and then how are we exchanging information in a way that gives you what you need to give the customer the experience that we're looking for to optimize retention, of course, and adoption. But then also how do we make sure that that also scales because we can't do necessarily depending on who you are. Like if you sell whatever million and a half dollar deals and you do six of them a year or something like that. Sure. We could do a full day meeting about every customer, but if you're more transactional, you can't necessarily do an hour long call for every single customer. So how do we make sure that the information exchange happens as efficiently as possible and that that customer experience is still seamless. Like that's the challenge that we start to have to tackle. Yeah. How do we operationalize that through um, our CRM or whatever technology we have at our disposal and all that?
0: Yeah. Cause you know, at the end of the day, it is about that customer experience too. Um, and that makes us referable as well. So what would you say, um, you know is 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 what what's working with um collaborating with all three departments what what seems to be working right now and and, and what what can we approve on
1: yeah, I think what's working is i think sales operations and now i guess they're it's rebranding and we're getting revenue ops titles becoming more and more prevalent and so Operations has up-leveled like tenfold, Mm. um, at least in the organizations that I'm working with. And they are getting, we have really solid professionals in sales operations who not just understand the technology, but they understand sales strategy from beginning to end. This Mm. whole conversation we've been having about SDR through CSM, they get it. They know what that process is supposed to be and how it should be executed. And then they are finding ways to make that easier within the tools and technologies that those uh, individuals have at their disposal. So I think what's starting to work better and better is the efficiency of information exchange. So using custom fields and forms and workflows to deliver information to the next person in a really easy way. I have a client right now who has um, like the six most critical pieces of information put on fields on the opportunity record. When that opportunity record moves to closed one, it creates an automated email that populates the specific information that's most relevant to the CSM. So it hits their inbox in a really quick and easy way. They Uh can digest the most meaningful information about, the customer that they're about to receive um, and that they are responsible for onboarding and getting to adopt and all that. So I think I'm starting to see that work better and better. So it's not always these, like I said, pick up the phone, do a manual call. Hey, I just closed this customer. Here's what's up with them. Here's what to look out for. You still need those. Right. But if we can skip 10 minutes of that conversation with a quick email read, great.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's just improving uh, efficiencies.
1: Yeah. I think what still needs improvement is going to continue to be on the SDR side, to be honest with you. So um, just helping, I don't think it's for lack of effort. I think it's lack of just education and knowledge. So if you think about whatever recent college grad, even if they've been enrolled six months, there's not really a clear understanding of A, how really any business works, never mind Um, the the specific needs of every single customer or even their own business. So them understanding why certain things are important. Why is it important to put information in the right place? Why is it important for you to tee up that call effectively? Because they've never run a discovery call. They've never taken a deal through to close. They've never had to make sure their customer didn't turn to them. It's just book the meeting, book the meeting, book the meeting, which which is good. Right. Um, But I think there just needs to be an education and maybe like giving them some insight into what's happening after they book that meeting so that they know like their managers not just hammering them to like complete steps for no reason and just increase the administrative burden on them that there's a real reason behind what's being asked of them in terms of like putting information in CRM properly or communicating with their right. um AE counterparts properly so yeah I think that's where we're going to always be able to continue to see improvement.
0: Right. And and also um You know, VP of Sales or founders of companies could also ensure that their sales playbooks and there's proper training and stuff like that, and that that there's one-on-one coaching with the SDR, you know, or or bring somebody in like myself or or somebody like me that could come that could come in and we can work with the SDR, um, and make the SDR like give them an opportunity to have fun while they're learning, but you're never going to learn to grow unless you put yourself in a position to learn and grow, and that's my biggest encouragement to any SDR is. Yeah, I mean you you commit first and figure it out later, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I that's that was me to a t i i i did that. I was always overcommitting. I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll do that. I can do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because uh fear is just false evidence appearing real, man. You just just, it, just put yourself out there and uh you know, you figure it out as you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so let's say like um show rates with SDRs, right? what are some things that you found that are like proven processes for increasing show rates from SDR to AE?
1: I hate to do the most boring one, but the most boring one is proper qualification. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think where we see the worst show rates are meetings that are booked via email still. Right. So SDRs who are just sending out emails, they get a response like, Hey, I might find this interesting. You say, great. When is a good time? Instead of making that person, get on the phone with you and asking them some real questions. So meetings booked via email show rates, always um, less than those booked via phone with proper qualification, Um, making sure that there's actually a need there and we're not doing the Hey, do you want a meeting? I wanted to see if you'd be interested in learning about this new technology that can yeah. do this, this and this. And we're yeah. working with Walmart and Apple and Google. Does it, does it sound cool? Yeah, sure, yeah. I'll book you the demo, right? So it's not like the yeah. just tire kickers or whatever. Just thought you think this thought you would find this interesting conversations. Um, but the second thing beyond proper qualification, we've been using text more and more. Yeah. Um, for reminders. Yeah. And um That works really well because even if people aren't at their desk or they have a muddied up inbox or their calendars mess or whatever, just a text reminder has done a really good job of of inching up those show rates for us um, or at least decreasing no-shows. Like even if we get a reschedule, a reschedule is still better than uh, an SDR potentially and an AE sitting on a conference bridge for seven to eight minutes waiting for somebody who's never going to show up. So
0: exactly. yeah. Yeah. One way that I impacted the show rate was, so a couple, a couple obvious ones is making sure that somebody accepted the calendar invite to begin with. Yeah, right,
1: prior yeah. To, yeah. I have reps who wait on and do it on the phone. Um, They'll yeah. say, like they booked the meeting, right? Like you say, okay, we have mutual interest and they yeah. say, okay, great. Tuesday at 1030, I'm sending you the invite now. Could you just do me a favor and go ahead and accept that so I know that you got it while they're on the phone? So they send yeah. the invite, the person accepts it all before they hang up. And there's that additional, like, they tap into the emotion of the person. Like, they're not going to not accept it when the person's sitting there talking to them. So, yeah, right. that's a good
0: one. yeah Yeah, While While I have you on the phone. <laughs> DocuSign. <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you hey, hey. Man, share your Zoom
1: screen. I want to see you. Yeah, no, just go to the signature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. So, so you know, they they have their challenges and stuff like that. But, like, um, w- what are what are some things that, as far as like a play sales playbook, I see you guys maybe develop some sales playbooks, you know, how, how is that impacting, you know, all three department heads, like AEs, SDRs, and, um, and, and CSMs, like how important is a sales playbook? Do you think?
1: I think it's critically important, especially as we continue to see average time enroll decrease. So there's so many good companies out there with a lot of money to spend who are starving for the same talent pools, right? In the major hubs. Like when we talk about Chicago, Boston, New York, Atlanta, Austin, Denver, Mm -hmm. San Francisco, of course, like Seattle. Like if you're in one of those cities, you are starving for talent and somebody's always going to pay them more or you're going to keep promoting them really quickly. So what does that mean? You have people basically in constant ramp in every single one of your three core functional areas, SDR, AE, and CSM. And so if you don't have a playbook that says this is exactly what is expected of you Here's how to be successful in your job. And this is what good looks like Then it becomes really difficult for those individuals to put themselves in a position to be successful Like recruiting can only get you so far You can hire really smart driven and talented people who have that figure it out factor. Yeah, but at some point you're going to hire some B and C people and you need to have a process or an engine that just says, just do these steps and we'll get what you, what we need from you.
0: Yeah. And it's like eating an elephant a bite at a time too. I mean, it, you know, a playbook can be 50 some odd pages, you know what I mean? But cause it's always mm-hmm. evolving. It's always adding to, or it should be, because you should always be looking at ways to improve processes. You know? Yeah.
1: Don't I know it? I write them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50 pages yeah. is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Is that, is that about right? <laughs>
1: yeah, 50. Some of them are 65. Depends on how many groups are included in one playbook, how many <laughs> personas, how much messaging we include. But yeah, they, yeah. They, get, uh, they get pretty comprehensive. But we have reps who swear by it. The reps who we have who embrace playbooks and truly just say, like, I am not going to let my ego hold me back from doing well. And they say, I'm willing to accept the collective experience of a third-party firm like us, the bridge group, um, all of my management team, all of my peers, the executives and the people who came before me, I'm going to assume that all of their collective knowledge that went into building this playbook is more than I have three months on the job. (laughs) And the people who, who, um, can stomach that and accept it and just say, I'm going to try it this way. And this is really easy because it's delivered to me in bite-sized chunks. that just lets me know exactly what to do or the reps that we see ramp the fastest and become the most successful over time and roll.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, as coaches too, though, like, I- I, I, for example, I had this uh, Spanish teacher. He'd always say, it's on the board, class a. It's on the board. <laughs> so I was like, in other words, it's right in front of your face. Just look at the freaking board, you know? <laughs> so instead of, like, just saying, well, it's in the playbook, you know what I mean? Like, that's a yeah. coaching opportunity. Let's go through the playbook together, and I'm going to show you where it is, and let's talk about it. Like, that's that's a coaching opportunity, but oftentimes I see – it's in the playbook. It's on the board class. A. So what's, what's your take on that?
1: I want the reps. I don't, I think if it's something that is only created by management or a consultant, somebody like us, um, or, um, not the reps, I think it's really hard to drive adoption and yeah. it is a little forced. So have you ever heard like when, when, um, teams win the Super Bowl, and then everyone grabs the trophy and their fingerprints are all over it. And that's every team's like favorite time with the trophy. Sure. Like later when it goes in the case, they polish it all up and it just looks all shiny. But the team's favorite part is when everyone on that team has touched that Lombardi and their fingerprints and all like the greasy things are all over it, but they all, you can see it and they all Mm -hmm. touched it because they all were part of creating that thing or getting their hands on it. And, And I think about a playbook in a similar way where if I can't get the reps to have their fingerprints all over that playbook, then they're not going to adopt it. They're not going to be excited about it and they're not going to truly understand the content that's in it. So even when we bring in new higher classes, we'll do like rewrites of certain sections. I don't, I don't care if we change Four percent of what's in there, but they're going to feel like they influence the content that's in that playbook, and so that they take ownership of it. It's theirs. Their fingerprints are all over it. It's not just like this PDF that was created by the managers of yesteryear that exists yeah. in the LMS system and <laughs> like nobody's allowed to touch it. No, I want your fingerprints all over that
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's that's good, man. That's a, that's a really good analogy. I appreciate you sharing that with us. That- <laughs> That's pretty dope. I was getting chills while you was like really passionate about that, bro. Yeah. I, like, I want your fingerprints on that freaking trophy, man. I do. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so So with this in mind, um, where, where can people find you? And, if you know, companies, if they need help with playbooks and things like that, how can people find you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, The most interesting information that we have to share, we, the Bridge Group, is on our website, bridgegroupinc.com and if you go to the blog we publish a ton of research it's just out there like no I mean it's gated of course but um, go download it we just published our AE metrics and compensation report which to me I'm in love with right now so you can we have like 460 I think respondents so just people in B2B tech who responded and were nice enough to take part in the in the report so we got um, and aggregated all that information to show what does the industry look like right now from AE standpoint like what are what are teams measuring their AEs on? How are they compensating them? And what are some of the baseline metrics um, that we're seeing as a result? So um, I think that's really great information. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to uh, me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Kyle Smith. There's a bunch of them. So look for Kyle Smith at the Bridge Group. we an easier <laughs> name, a little bit more unique. Trish Bertuzzi, hit her up.
0: Right. Yeah. She's pretty LinkedIn famous though.
1: Oh, she's she's definitely LinkedIn famous. Every time I talk to somebody, you should see every time I have a sales call, like, I haven't heard of the bridge group, but are you affiliated with Trish Bertuzzi? I'm like, yeah, she's our founder and CEO. Everyone knows Trish. (laughs) Hey,
0: hey, and that that proves the show, bro, that people want to hear from people. They don't give a crap about your brand. They care more about you, so she's doing some great personal branding there, man. And yeah, so
1: she's, I mean, she's been hustling for twenty-five years, so I mean, she uh, yeah. she did it before LinkedIn existed. But yeah, she's she's done an amazing job. And I heard uh, I listened to some of your uh, previous podcasts with like Jay Barrows, who's my boy from Boston, and yeah. uh, Jake from Scaled, still talking about making that um, concentrated effort on building a personal brand and putting your content out there over just like consistently deflecting to um, the company or the logo or the core marketing message, but just having your own, your own personal voice. So I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And thankfully I've been the beneficiary of what that brings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding, man. But that's just, that's just, uh, that's great, man. Cause still companies and I'm and getting inboxed left and right. Like I wish B2B companies would embrace personal branding a lot more and, you know, appreciate what you're trying to do. And I'm just like, yeah, man, I mean, I, I believe in that. And uh, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on myself because, you know, anything could happen at the company that I'm in. But if, if I, if I build a reputation for myself, then, you know, people might take notice. And you know what I mean? Like that, to me, that's just equally important because people want to hear from people. It's 28 times more likely to have somebody engage with the person than the brand. <laughs> so.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and even a non-B2B, this is happening outside of B2B as well. Are you familiar with uh, Barstool Sports?
0: Uh, Yeah, I've heard of.
1: Yeah. It's a media company, right? And yeah. their whole brand and ethos has been create interesting and amazing content that um, resonates with our customer base, right? Or, or with the people who follow us and promote and prop up individuals. Not necessarily the brand, but they have like 30 all these individual personalities who have podcasts, who have blogs, who have do like video crap, TikTok, I don't know, whatever. But they have like, it's all this disparate people and they just prop up the individuals and they have been super, super successful. They just um, got acquired with a valuation of 452 million or whatever. At the same time, like radio online traditional media is like on a steady decline because they do the opposite. It's all brand first, protect, protect, protect. You're not allowed to have, your own opinions that um, conflict with the opinion of the core brand or are even different than what we've basically given you uh, as our mouthpieces. So it's like you have this company over here who's like propping up individuals and and the companies who are still brand, brand, brand. And we sh- we're we seeing that shift. People don't want the brand stuff. Like you said, people want to hear from people. And we're seeing it in B2C and in B2B.
0: Right. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I appreciate your time today, man. Anything that I didn't ask but should have?
1: No, I have a question for you. What made you start this?
0: Oh man, so it's a great question. I've been uh, obsessed with the idea for a long time and my mama always told me that I got the gift of gab. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, uh, I'm just excited, man. I've been getting on podcasts and uh, really passionate about it to the point that I actually left the, the company that I was at um, more recently, to uh, to pursue it. So yeah, man, it's. Uh, I just want to help people, man, and uh, I just can't help but to. And this is just a good medium to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I, I it's. I'm a big fan. I subscribed, five star rating, all that. So let's. let's all get right. It. Let all it right, bro. It.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate you, Kyle. Don't threaten me with a good time. I have a, <laughs> I have a feeling, man. We're gonna be working together for sure, man. For sure. I hope so. Yeah. All right, bro. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for staying on the line on the All Things Telesales podcast. Help you learn today inside sales, aka telesales, sales Sales development, people who front end the process, AEs who take close to one all the way to customer success. A proper qualification from AE and handoff to the customer success team. Collaborative relationship with SDRs, AEs, and CSMs that focuses on the overall customer experience. Is your sales team adopting your playbook and influencing and taking ownership of that playbook? Are they getting their fingerprints all over it? Get that team to get the fingerprints on that trophy. Let's go. Visit allthingstelesales.com for additional resources that can help you drive more revenue. Did you like today's episode? If so, subscribe so next week's episode will be available for you. And if you really like today's episode, leave a five-star review. It's a good way to get the word out there. And if not, check out another episode. Maybe then you'll be able to rate the show five stars. Anyone you'd like to hear from on the show, send an email to podcast at allthingstelesales.com. I'd love to hear from you. Don't threaten me with a
1: good time.